God. Mom just stepped in. Now, see, that made my day. I spanked them already, Mom, so you, you can help me with that. I'm going to spank everybody already, so you know. And don't go whining to her because don't give them no cookies and no nothing until, right, amen, amen, praise the Lord. So anyway, today we're going to talk about religious blindness, <clears throat> amen, and uh, uh, how to avoid it, hopefully you'll understand that, really the difference between a religious person and a spiritual person is miles of difference, they don't even live in the same kingdom. It's not even the same uh, uh, business, even though we can uh, be in an atmosphere or a congregation where there are spiritual and religious individuals. So we can always be able to uh, get people converted, you know. I mean, as long as people are reaching out to God in some way, you know God's mercy will continue to move to get them converted and move to get them free of their blindness and move to open their eyes with revelation, so forth and so on. Many of us came from religion, didn't we? We came from backgrounds where we didn't know a lot about God and it wasn't offered to us. And then one day, uh, see, one day. So God is looking for that one day experience to happen for everybody. And so the religious, we, you know, sometimes you do some things inadvertently uh, drives religion off the scene and the people with it. You understand what I'm saying? You don't mean to drive people away, but you're just obeying God and following God, you know, and people get up and take off because, you know, it's gotten too crazy for them. It's gotten too wild for them. It's gotten too mean for them. You know, it's too real is what too much life, too much real spiritual life. For many people. And so when you see that happening, you begin to understand how um, prevalent religion is. Because it's a spirit that attaches its mind easily to people who are seeking God. Many times you reach out for God and religion stands right in the way between you and him to block your way of getting to God. So we're going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> religious blindness from the aspect of what it looks like and what it is. And it's just a matter of us understanding that we uh, must be vigilant. We must always be on the alert and on the lookout for uh, things that will lead us down that path. You want to stay with your relationship with God. You want to keep that the center of your life. You want to keep that strong in your life. And so when we think about religion and we think about what it does, then you will have the tools that you need to fight it so that you won't be caught in this trap. So in John chapter 18, I want you to turn there first. And I'll show you something. I was reading, <clears throat> I was reading the word and Study and, you know, kind of meditating, you know, as you read, you should think about what you just read. And uh, in in the meditation, this scripture really kind of struck me. It was uh, got my attention uh, for a number of reasons. And John 18 verse. Let me see. 28. We'll start there. It says, then they let Jesus. From Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, 
lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation are you bringing against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not a malefactor or evildoer, we would not have delivered you up to him. Then Pilate said to them, Take you him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said to him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he should die. And Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, saying, You're saying this thing. He said, Are you saying this thing of yourself, or did others tell you that of me? Pilate answered him, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you unto me. What have you done? Now here you see the confusion surrounding what they call a trial, Jesus' trial. The main thing I want you to see is in verse 28 and 29. They led Jesus. They're talking about the chief priests. Now this is the one, these are the ones who are accusing him of wrongdoing so that they can put him to death. Here's the chief priests, the Pharisees, all the religious people. The ones who ran the temple, the ones who uh, run everything and the sacrifices, the ones everybody has to go through to get to God. Let me put it to you that way. And so they're going, and it says here it was early, and they didn't go into the judgment hall so that they wouldn't defile themselves because they wanted to partake of the Passover. They didn't go in to the judgment hall because they didn't want to defile themselves because they wanted to stay holy so they could eat the Passover. And here they are offering up the Passover lamb. And they're going to go and partake of a meal blinded. You got me? They are so blinded, they think that they are obeying God and killing his servants. They think they're obeying God and killing the word. They think they're obeying God and crucifying the one who is saving the people, healing the people, doing good for the people all the time. They want him killed because they are so blind they can't tell that this man really is for God and they don't stop to think and wonder if they're doing the right thing or not. When they say that it's not lawful for them to put anybody to death, what that really means is that because it's a Passover time, the Passover time was a time where people were allowed to get their property back, especially if it was a year of Jubilee, but it was a holy day. Nobody was to be brought to trial. Nobody was to be judged for anything. People were to partake of the Passover and celebrate God and put all the normal business aside. And so they, instead of putting the normal business aside, they were so adamant about killing Jesus, they turned him over to Pilate so that Pilate could do their dirty work for them. And they could say that their hands were clean. See, we're over here having the Passover. We're over here doing what we're supposed to do. 
We're over here being good little Christians or good little Jews or good little whatever they call themselves doing because we're obeying God. See, we're washing our hands, cleaning things up, making sure we don't do anything. We can't be around sinners. That was the other thing. If you were sanctifying yourself for the Passover, you couldn't be around worldly people. So that's why they didn't go in themselves. They just let the worldly people do their dirty work for them. So religion always winds up in bed, so to speak, with the world. Because religious people go through the motions of serving God. They go through the ritual of doing the right thing, observing the right days, keeping the holy days. Not defiling yourself, separating yourself from certain kinds of individuals. So they were not allowed to put anybody to death during their religious holidays. But that didn't stop them from pushing somebody else up to do it. And so in this regard, religion is a murderous type of a spirit because it kills the life off of anything that people who really are seeking God want to have. Religion doesn't want the music too loud. Religion doesn't want to, uh, uh, for you to just stop the service and pray for somebody. Religion doesn't want the, uh, the service, the, the teaching to go longer than a half hour, 45 minutes, because that's too long. You understand? And so in religion, there is an attempt to control the servant of God, control the atmosphere, control the power of God, to bring it all under ritualistic dominion so that they don't have to go any deeper than where they are going in order to do anything for people. They can stay on this superficial level. They can stay on this surface level of dealing in things and pretend to have it. You know, they have a form but there's no power in that form. It's just, it's an empty shell. It's a hollow, uh, a hollow uh, egg, so to speak. And so in religion, there is this blindness to the spiritual because God is not going to open up his revelation to the proud. He gives it to the humble. So then the humble person, like the lady that had the daughter that, that was tormented of the devil, And she went and talked to Jesus, and he first pushed her away, and she went up again. He pushed her away again, and then finally she begged for crumbs, and he blessed her and took care. See, those are the people God likes. You got me? They just come in with their need. They come in, you know, remember back in the day when you first got involved in God, and you found somebody who... New God, you followed them everywhere you could trying to get answers, trying to get information, trying to get, well, what happened? Huh? What happened? See, what happened is we can get blind to what really pleases God in pleasing him. The religious people weren't any different than sometimes you and I are. We get, you know, a little stale, a little complacent. We get a little died in the wool so to speak we get a little stagnant so forth and so on and that stagnation will lead to a blindness we forget what it was like when we used to come into the sanctuary and just be glad to get there remember we we didn't have a building we were praying for a building begging for a building all this for a building now you got a building Hmm? now what do we do huh you got to go back to why you really wanted this 
You wanted this so that you would have a place, comfortable place to serve God, so that you could have a place where they didn't put you on a timer, so that if you wanted to stay a little bit later and do a few little things for God because you loved him so much, you had the freedom to do that. You had access so that you could, could share and you could uh, complete what it was that you wanted to experience in God. And everybody seeks that and everybody wants it. But sometimes the longing for it and attaining it is much easier than the maintaining of it. And so this religious blindness can slap anybody upside the head like did the Apostle Paul. So that he wasn't able to perceive who Christ was until he really humbled himself and got before God so that God can reveal to him who he really was. So the religious didn't want to be defiled by leading Jesus themselves to be slaughtered, to be murdered. But they were determined that he had done something wrong. And see, this is the other thing about religious blindness. It is very difficult to persuade people that they're not wrong in their thinking once they've set it up that it's got to be this way, it's got to be that way, it's got to be a certain way. It's very hard to move yourself off of that because it's, you've got yourself stuck there somewhere by some lie and some darkness that still resides in your mind. And so when we start making excuses for things that we need to rebuke and we need to get rid of and we need to wash our hands of them and and just say, God, get this out of my life because this is not conducive. This is not the way we established our relationship together, God. This is not what I told you I wanted out of my life in you. This This is something stale. This is something that doesn't build me up. This is something that doesn't edify. I want it out of my life, God. It's just that simple. And you can keep your little temple cleaned out of all this religious nonsense so that it doesn't blind you into thinking that you have something that you don't really have. And so the Pharisees wanted to have their meal. They wanted to eat a a ritual meal of the Passover. But they wanted to keep themselves clean on the outside. But they weren't concerned about the inside. Jesus is concerned about the inside. True disciples, now the difference between them and the real disciples of God, the real disciples had already had their Passover meal with Jesus. Hello? You know your Bible. Before Jesus was, was arrested, he had just eaten a Passover meal with the disciples and cut the new covenant with them. And so they appreciated who he was. They followed him to that place and they were able to partake of that meal and be included as new covenant believers and not stuck in the old religious ways. Where the religious people are washing their hands, making sure everything's good on the outside, but on the inside, see, the inside is always messed up. They had as much opportunity to hear the gospel and serve Jesus as the disciples did. They were right there in the meetings when Jesus preached. But what did they do? They were always trying to find questions to trip him up that he couldn't answer so that they could have a reason to accuse him and tell people, well, see, he's not the real thing after all. We're the real thing. He's not, but we are. And so they were always looking for a controversy. 
True disciples always have their meals with God. The word is our food. The word is our meat. So we follow the word. And as long as you follow the word and partake of that word, that word will feed you. It will open your eyes, give you revelation, and you will not be blinded by religion. You won't be blinded by the works of the flesh. And you won't be blinded by works of darkness. You will always have revelation be open. Because you feed yourself with God. You feed on his word. You partake of his body. You partake of his spirit. And you understand how to grab on to God for real spiritual truth. But the religious don't. They're so concerned with the outer and not with the inner, what's inside of them. It's good to come to church. It's good to be there all the time. It's good to be there for every service. But if it doesn't change you on the inside, you're just sitting there wishing you had something. And then when the, when it, when the times get bad, you've got to make something up to make it appear that you really have God. You understand me? We've got many preachers selling good books, selling bunches of books who have about two inches of revelation because if you look at their fruit their people don't know how to stay stable in god their people don't know how to get their needs met and they wander from one big place to the next big place hungry looking for the real thing hungering for the real thing and god will provide the real thing to them but most of them when they get a taste of the real thing because it's not what they think it's supposed to be like then they want to spit it back out and say that this ain't right and you know this kind of and find fault with the real thing just like they did with jesus so this christian business is a tough business you understand because there's a balance out here between doing the works that keep you close to god and really internalizing those things so that you can hide the word in your heart you can understand what God wants for you. You can be an able minister of the gospel and you can be true in your heart and in your, 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 the things that you do to what you really believe on the inside. God wants us to be true to what we believe on the inside. You shouldn't be hindered at all in going up to somebody and sharing Christ with them. You shouldn't be standing back thinking about, well, should I tell them or should I or what's this or what that. You should be bold and confident and what you're doing for God because you you know on the inside you know how you feel about God on the inside you're not trying to hide anything you're not trying to pretend to be uh, somebody you're not insecure about what God did for you. you know what he did for you and so you want to make sure that you walk in that at all times but I'm telling you religion is something that's so easy to grab onto because there's so much of it out here people are are, are selling Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of tapes on concepts that Christians should be living in every day. But because of the way it's presented, we think it's some, the, the next new great revelation. And we run off to get it and we find out it's the same scripture we read when we were first saved. And it helped us feel better. And if we stay with it, it will still help us to feel better and it will do everything we need it to do for us. But because now it's packaged a little bit differently, now we think it's something new. We think it's something that hasn't been around before. But it's all the same thing. If it was good then, it's still good now. And if God gave you access to it then without all the slick packaging, you still have access to it. 
you just got to pick it up because you need it more now and you'll you'll incorporate it into what you're doing and you'll try harder to believe it and you'll step into it in a greater fashion and, and, and let it be done. But don't go bankrupt on your credit card trying to pay for all these tapes and these books because you think this is something new. And then the devil will tell you something like this. Nobody else in the church knows about this. I got this. You, you understand what I'm saying? Religion. See, religion. There's nothing. Why should you want something nobody else has anyway? Go buy some shoes. Get you some shoes with the red bottoms to them. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's the same thing. You don't wear revelation in God like fashion. We, we seek revelation from God because it makes us closer to him. We want relationship with him. You're not running a contest here about who knows the most and who's got the newest revelation. You're trying to live and pay your bills. That's what revelation is for. Religion will make a game out of anything, folks. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Now that I've got your attention, everybody's in shock mode. Where's she going with this? I didn't kill Jesus. We all killed him. Everybody was born in this world. We all sinned. Uh, We're guilty, except we've received the atonement. Amen? So we've, we've had some favor in our lives. The difference between the religious and the spiritual, or the ones who are sold out to God, is where our devotion is. Religion keeps you devoted to man either to yourself or to some man that you look up to almost as much as God. Got me? Many of the people who are involved in religion are bigger than life people. Got me? And people are, are so, uh, uh, so bankrupt in God. You know, when you know God, something happens on the inside of you that locks you into... I don't want to say a happy place, <laughs> a good space. You're in a good space. <laughs> but it locks you into a, a level of, I guess you could call it confidence, assurance. Because the one thing that people, the sinner, what the sinner doesn't want to face is eternity. You don't have a fear about it. See, once you receive Christ, you have no fear about eternity. You know you're going to heaven to live with God. You don't have any doubt. If you do have doubt, you need to keep in your word until you get rid of the doubt. But that's easy for a new believer to get is assurance about their eternal fate, about their eternal uh, dwelling place, about uh, eternity period. And it's not like you're trying to, you know, get out of here fast or anything like that. But there's something about when you take the fear of death away from people that makes them a little dangerous. You got me? It makes them a little hard to, it's hard to, to uh, intimidate that person. It's hard to really discourage them. It's hard to kill them. It's kind of hard to get them off the scene. They kind of just keep it coming back, you know. There's something in that, in that eternal life thing that makes us very, very resilient uh, makes it very, very difficult to uh, put us in a place where we're insecure and we're fearful and we want to run off with the next great thing. 
And so there are people in this earth who are not so moved so easily by the religious flim flam, you know, the flash and the dance. Because we can sit back in our place in God and we're not moved by a lot of stuff. Whether it's the newest thing to get involved with or it's something old, we're just not as easily moved as as, as, uh, people who are not not really in that same revelation, that place of understanding, that place of security. We're not running off every week looking for something different. When you're secure in God, you, can, you know that you can stay where God, you can stay the last place God puts you. And if nothing good happens for you for 15 years, you know God puts you there and you're very content in your life. And see, religion moves people because religion can make them restless and discontent in what they, what they feel they have in God or make you think there's something missing or there's something you haven't experienced yet or there's something. It's, it's easy to move people on an emotional level with religion, religious people, insecure people. People who don't really have a relationship with God can be easily moved to get up and do something that, that they shouldn't be doing, something that's a big waste of time for them. So in Matthew chapter 15, in verse 1, we'll start there. Said then Jesus uh, then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition? Now, religion is always looking for somebody to do something wrong. They're always looking for a fault. They're always looking for a flaw. They're always looking for whether or not you're saved, you're really saved. You know what moves religious people are, are people, when they see people who maybe make mistakes, don't do everything right, and they still get up and serve God. That bugs the religious to death. Because, you know, people who can get up and do something boldly, even though they may not have a lot of confidence in what they're doing, those people are dangerous to the status quo. They're dangerous to religion. Because it's hard to get somebody motivated to get up and do something. That's number one. If somebody's motivated to do something, God can take that faith that they're using and straighten them out and perfect them and help them to keep going. But the people who sit back and watch and criticize are always the last to get up and do something. And then they want to fault find with the people who are up doing the doing. You understand me? It's always that way. And so if you're up doing and you're up trying and you're up uh, serving and offering your service to God, you're a threat to somebody who's sitting because if they can get everybody to sit, They'll wind up with a dead church, and if they can get everybody to criticize, they'll wind up running God out of the place. And so then they can take over the whole thing for themselves. And so the Pharisees were upset with Jesus mostly because he came in honestly, he came in confidently, he came in on a mission, he was doing the Father's will, and he didn't have to go through them for anything. Religion hates it when you find a way to succeed without going through their system to get there. 
And so if you find a way to get where you need to go and you don't have to go through the religious board of people or the uh, the people that hold the purse strings and the people that wield all the power somewhere, then you're a threat to them because you found something that works and they don't know what it is. They don't know how to harness it because religion will never harness God. Religion will never control God. All God does is he finds a way to find some more people to get up and do his will. And he's off and running again because the gospel's not bound. The word of God's not bound. Word of God can't be stopped. It's tried already. It's been tried by the best of them. And it's still holding the world up. All you need to do is tell your little friends if if they can can change God, then make the sun not come up tomorrow morning. Huh? As long as that sun comes up, you know they don't have the power to change God. And so in verse 2, he says, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands before they eat. Now you think that's silly, but there are sillier things being taught to people these days. Huh? That seem legitimate. The Pharisees made a lifestyle of keeping pots separated, keeping dishes separated. The clean from the unclean went from their clothes to their shoes to their food to everything that they did. They were very concerned about the outer, but the inner they didn't worry about. Well, because taking care of the outer, if you're washing hands and washing pots and you can't do nothing before certain things are washed all the time. There are certain people in this this world now, the Orthodox Jew, they have two kitchens set up. You know, there's a meat and a milk kitchen. You got to have certain if you put if you put meat in a milk dish. That's a major no, no. I don't know what they do to get out from under that, but they and they don't either. But they got to keep that separate. And many of them have servants, and the servants have to be taught. You got to keep, you got two kitchens. We have a kosher kitchen here. This side is for this, and this side is for that. And so that thing, that religious thing, has survived down through the issue. That's how powerful religion is. Because it's something to do to make you feel like you're close to God, but you're so far different. It's, it's, there's like night and day. So the reality of life with God to the religious person looks like the people who are serving God are wrong. Because we can come to church and we can worship and we can stay in worship as long as we want to. We can lift up holy hands. We can bless one another. We can help one another. And that's too much freedom for them. If they can't come in and control things. Well, why are you blessing sister so-and-so? She don't live right. She didn't wash her hands before she ate. You understand what I'm saying? That's what they did to Jesus. They made a whole lifestyle on outer cleansing and did nothing about the defilement that's on the inside. And when Jesus came to set them free from that, they fought like everything to hold on to it. Even Paul, who was later an apostle. The Bible says he held the coats of the men that stoned Stephen. And so he was holding on to the pot washing in the tradition too because religion so blinds the minds of people. They think nothing about the fact that they 
you know, are, are not living right behind closed doors. You got me? And doing everything wrong. They think nothing about that because, well, I'm doing the best I can. I'm washing my pots. I'm making sure I don't defile myself, eating the wrong food and eating the wrong thing on the wrong day and all that kind of stuff. So they hold on to the tradition as a substitute for a heart condition that would cause them to love God and come into true obedience and have a real relationship with God. And I'm telling you, that stupid religious spirit is there all the time waiting for people to give you an excuse to not be diligent in your service to God. Jesus would go anywhere. He walked everywhere feeding people. Praying for the sick, teaching them, teaching them the ways of God. And still the religious didn't see the light. They were blinded from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here they are confronting Jesus about transgressing the tradition of the elders, for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And verse 3 says, but he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God with your tradition? So one is is transgressing a tradition by eating with dirty hands. Now, when I was a kid, um, our parents tried as best they could to keep us clean and all of this. But if you had a piece of candy and it fell on the floor... And that was your only piece of candy. You, were, you, they were, you had a dilemma. You either picked it up, and what did we say? God bless the dirt. Amen. Uh, huh? See, we had as kids, as children, you got more sense than the average religious leader of Jesus' day, who had been to school, been taught by rabbis, all that stuff, all that education they had, religious education. And a child in a playground has more sense than those people who are. It's something to think about, folks. It's something to think about. You know, we've gotten people in this, in this culture we live in, we've made people so insecure about the basic understanding, just the God-given understanding of right and wrong, sensible and not sensible. We've made people very insecure about those things. People feel like they've got to go to a a, a counselor. We get counseling for everything now. Whereas if you had trouble, you know, difficulty raising your children, you went to your mom or your dad because they raised you. And that was the health that you had. You didn't get all these professional people and psychiatric treatments. and, And then if you got somebody who's really... On the dark side, they give your child pills, you know, an alphabet diagnosis. That's very common these days. You know, everybody's got A something, you know, DDD, ADD, and add and subtract, and, and you get a pill to go along with that. Why? Because we've made people so insecure about who they are and their own abilities just your own natural listen if god lets anybody have a baby he must be able to help anybody raise that child i mean come on now this is you don't need a bunch of counselors you don't need a bunch of court people 
You understand, we have complicated things beyond common sense in the way that we live in this society. And we don't trust because we've broken up the family. We don't trust the family way of doing things. If your problem got beyond mom and dad and you went to a doctor and you had a good doctor and he said, well, I don't know what to do, you waited it out. Good doctors would tell the parents, you know what, we won't, this doesn't seem to be bothering them too much right now, let's wait it out, and they grow out of it. Remember all the things we grew out of back in the day? But now what we've done is we've taken that away from people so that we've made people feel incapable of doing just common sense things. Just simple things. You know, if mom and dad were church people, they went to the pastor if they had trouble. Nowadays, parents tell their kids, you don't have to listen to them at that church. Huh? They'll bring them to church, and because church people tell you to discipline your child, you don't have to, you don't have to listen to them. Well, who are you going to listen to? Why would you come here to begin with? You understand me? Who are you going to listen to? The truth is they don't want to listen to anybody. So they, it makes them very good prospects for religion. A form with no power. You started out on the right road, coming to church, trying to get help. And then because of offense, you decided you'd go elsewhere, and now you've got religion to contend with. Amen. So you go to a church that's all about money, and they make you feel, is they feed your insecurity over there. But somehow, because nobody tells you how to live your life right, you find that that's comfortable to you. And so you'll settle for that, and you'll stay there. And you do what you need to do in order to stay in that place. I visited a church many years ago when we first moved to Detroit. I just always liked to have, even though I was a minister, we had our minister and our ministry in our Saturday meeting. I just felt it was a good witness to go to church on Sunday. Custom. And so, and that caused me to visit a lot of churches and see a lot of things. But one thing I saw over and over again in, in churches was a pressure on people to give. I saw a woman, uh, there was a line of people waiting in the pastor's office, and, and I had talked to somebody in leadership there, and they told me, they said, well, you know, I'm, I'll just meet me over there in the pastor's office outside in the hallway. And there was this woman there, obviously a single woman, who was paying off a pledge that she had made. And she asked the, the uh, guy that was taking the pledge money, she said, well, you know what, I don't think I can do the whole pledge. Now, how much did you say we're supposed to give Pastor for his anniversary? And it was something like $2,000 per family. And she had paid a great deal of it off. And she said, you know what, she said, the only thing I have left is my food stamps for the month. Could you take some of those? religion you got me religion puts people under pressure to do the outer and the inner starving see she's in the place to be because that's where all the people go but to in order to be accepted there the price is very very high folks it's very high because not only do you have to conform to the outer rules but then there are little cliques and little groups that you get involved in in those places and you got to be accepted by somebody 
and it's somehow religious pressure because it doesn't pressure you in the right way it keeps people coming back for more see they'll live with that and put up with that just to say that i go there and so and so it's my pastor see it's always the outer and it's never what has changed on you for the inner what has been deposited in your life for the better how have you grown in that atmosphere what can you do now spiritually speaking in god what prayers has god answered for you well you know i called the prayer line at so and so really and you go to the place where people are supposed to go around here why are you calling a prayer line on television when you've given two thousand dollars for pastor's anniversary do you understand me Jesus asked them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God with your tradition? So Jesus is letting them know commandments are more important than traditions. Because if you obey the commandments of God, you'll get the blessing of God in your life. If you break those commandments, then the traditions can't help you at all. Traditions can't do anything but keep you in favor with people who are telling you what to do by that tradition. So God wants you to get free of that so that you can truly be blessed by him and you can have relationship with God, which will take you much further than anything that you can get from man. When you get relationship, that changes you. Tradition just changes the outer. But relationship changes you. And that's what God wants with everybody. He wants relationship that changes us from the inside out for the better. And what's on the inside will eventually manifest on the outside. And, and if God doesn't let it manifest on the outside, at least you got relationship with him. You understand? If nobody ever sees it, if nobody ever likes it, if nobody ever appreciates you for it, you still have relationship with him, which is something people can't take away from you. When I first started, when I was first saved, I was housebound. You all know that. And I read my Bible all the time. And I would go to churches even as somebody who was just reading their Bible saved at home. I would go to churches and they would, I went to one church and I was really wanting to get prayer because I was still having panic attacks and they hadn't stopped. And while I was sitting there, the sermon that the the minister was preaching, he started making fun of faith healers. And so God let me know right then and there, this is not the place to come to get prayer for anything. One of the reasons that we started this ministry is because we believed in things that we never saw other people believing in. You understand what I'm saying? You had to go a long way to get it. You had to go on a bus to get to Benny Hinn. You had to wait for more Cirillo to come to town. You had to do a lot of things to get what we knew was necessary for the life of the Christian. And so we began this ministry because we felt that we couldn't get it any other place and God had told us to do this. So that's why we stuck with it all this time. And so you do these things because somehow inside of you, because you're more concerned 
with being right with God than the outer appearance of things. What everybody's doing. Are you in the place to be? Are you in the know with the right group? Because you're concerned about what God wants for you and what he wants for everybody else. You stay with these things and you devote yourself to these things. But I'm telling you, it's hard for somebody who has relationship to be talked out of relationship. Now, you can talk them from one religion to another. You'll see people, I was raised, I started Catholic, then what? Then I went Baptist, then what? Then you went, you understand what I'm saying? Now, some of them know how to keep their people. Catholics know how, them's old religious devils. See, they're, they're experts at what they do. So they'll tell you stuff like, well, if you miss the sacrament, you know what that is, communion. They don't say, if you miss that, boy, mm. and that keeps them coming back, see, because they got to have that. You take the ones who are, are homosexual and, and, and been raised Catholic. They're mad because a lot of Catholic churches, if they know they're gay, they won't give them communion. Because you got to go to confession, repent your sins first. So, and they're so stuck in that religion, they'll take communion at home. Take it themselves. They, they can't keep us away from God. They think that little wafer is God. You got me? They're all convinced of that. You talk to any of them about, well, well we keep this out. I don't go to confession like I, did, I should. But they're going to eat that little wafer. Huh? Amen. That's how, that's how powerful religion is to people who don't know any different. Thank you. If you have relationship, that's something that cannot be taken away from you. That's something that you take to the grave with you. You take your relationship with God everywhere that you go. And religion fights like everything to keep you out of relationship. It'll tell you you can go here and you can go there and you can do this and you can do that. As long as and it, the, the minute religion sees you getting close to revelation and close to relationship, it will move in to stop you from doing it. I remember back in the early days when I was in a church, you know, they were supposed to be spirit-filled and, you know, a lot of them weren't. And pastor wasn't. And, but they, they said they were spirit-filled and they said they talked in tongues. But they, at the same time, would criticize people who did and so I can remember few people coming in wanting to receive the gift of tongues. And I remember talking to a woman, and I was ministering to her and showing her in the Bible what it said about tongues and so forth. And about four people moved from way over there to right up there where I was sitting with her and began a conversation to put confusion into what I was telling her. See, it's a blessing to be in an atmosphere where the, the truth dominates. You understand? Man? You can't get much done in a religious atmosphere unless you just stand up and, like Jesus did, put them all out. And tell them, get out of here. I'm doing something important for God. And here you can sit next to somebody and share about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Nobody will stop. There's no hindrance. You got, you got me? And so in that atmosphere, if you try anything that, that spoke to give people power... If you did anything to empower people, it's like every religious devil was on alert and they moved from way over there to right where you were sitting and had a conversation and talked loud too. You understand what I'm saying? 
And then some of them would even try and get in your, if you didn't get up and move so that you can do what God wanted you to do, they want to get in your conversation and start talking to that person and talk them out of it. So y'all don't know anything about that. Huh? You're spoiled. Huh? You didn't have to fight to, to hold on to these truths. And you still have to fight. I don't ever get uh, comfortable in, in assuming that it's always going to be the way that we've enjoyed it to be. And you can talk to anything, anybody here about healing, anything, you pray with anybody, for anybody, whatever you want to do. And, and God will meet you and God will manifest for you. Well, in religious places, that's not true, folks. That's just not true. In fact, you'll very, you'll seldom get a conversation with anybody that wants anything other than religion in a religious house. So he says here, he says in verse 4, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father and mother, uh, it's a gift, it's okay. What they were saying is that you could curse your mother and father, and if you would take their money and give it to God, it was okay. Whatever you did. If they made the altar bigger than relationship, bigger than God, bigger than his commandments, everything. Swearing by the altar or swearing by the gift on the altar. And Jesus said, what is, what is greater, the altar or the gift that's sitting on it? Amen? And so they miss the important part of what God's doing by focusing on what they can see, what they can manipulate, and what they can, can reason through with their brains. That's why God tells us, if we're going to hold on to the word, we have to cast down reasonings, cast down imaginations. Wait on the revelation of God to come to you. So that you can know certainly what God's talking. You can know for sure what God's talking about. And you don't have to be guessing about it. Verse 7, Jesus said, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It's the heart that God's interested in. If you have a heart devoted to God, he's satisfied with you. If you have a heart that wants to honor God and put him first, if you're seeking to, to honor God in a greater way, do more for God that he approves of in your life. If you're seeking to be the greatest Christian you know how to be because you love God, not because it's going to get you somewhere in the world, but because you love God. God, what can I do for you more? What, what is it that is needed in my church what is it that's needed in my family what is it that's needed here what is it that if you're a person who is seeking to honor god with your life and everything about your life then you're okay with him you don't have to try and 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 manipulate things and try to be the biggest thing here and the greatest thing there many times what we think is great in this natural world is is not even pleasing to god it doesn't even hold a candle Sometimes what you do in your prayer life, just the few prayers that you pray, when you pray them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Sometimes, you know, you prayer partner, you dodge them, and sometimes you begging to try to get them. You know, we run the whole gamut here. Amen. They call you three weeks in a row and can't find you. And then all of a sudden you lost a job or short on something. I, I, 
half hour prayer time. I know I ain't been calling like I should be. Yeah, because you're in trouble now. So that's why we hear from you, you know. I mean, that's life. That's Christian life, folks. We're normal Christians struggling with our flesh and with all these other things and endeavoring to serve a holy God. You got me? A holy God. And so when we, we do these things, though, what you do, I don't care how feeble it is as far as what the expectation is, it's 100% more than what the Pharisee does. Because he's not even considering God in what he does. He's considering the next important thing that he can do. He's considering uh, getting his rap career off on a start, all that kind of stuff. This is religion, folks. More concerned about the outer than it is concerned about the inner. And if we would be more concerned about the inner, we could certainly please God more, have more fruit in our lives, and we wouldn't be blinded by religion. And so God has these things laid up for us, and he has these truths laid up for us so that we can stay free, and we can stay free to serve him, and we can please him in a greater way. That should be the most important thing to any of us in life, is pleasing God. You know, it should have nothing to do with where you go to church, what what the church looks like. or it's, It's pleasing God that should be the most important. You know, to any of us, it's relationship. The rest of it, you can't take anywhere. But relationship, you can take. That relationship will take you everywhere. That relationship will be everything to you. When, when everybody turns against you, you still have God. You still know he, if you can draw that down, you've got more than the blinded religious person any day of the week. Because you've got something banked up that cannot be taken from you. Nobody can take away from you who you are to him. And they can't take away from you your experiences that you've had with God. They can't do it. And so if we are going to stay true to what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be, you've got to treat religion like the bad thing that it is. You know, you've got to avoid it at all costs. The appearance of things versus what's in your heart. What's in your heart will always tell the kind of person that you are. You need to be about hiding more of the things of God in your heart, not less, more. Not drawing away from God, but running toward God. Wanting to serve him in a greater capacity, in a greater way. Putting more things aside so that you can have more time for him. This is what we're to be about as believers. And so the Pharisees, when they saw how Jesus lived, they saw his habit of going off to be alone with the Father and praying. And, you know, and, and what they would do was when they got ready to pray, honey, it was a show. Mm-hmm. You had to put on the big shawl. You all know it's a show, don't you? You all know that. But I'm trying to get you to see what it robs people of and how it's put on to deceive people before they get to relationship. Because if you can get people to think that your prayers are more effective because you put a shawl on when you pray, 
you can get a whole lot of people to write in for a hundred dollars so they can get a shawl just like what you got you understand me so don't be stupid okay don't be don't be thinking that you know this stuff isn't effective to people because it is it affects many people they feel that they can get closer to god because of some piece of something and i'm not talking about a prayer cloth that's been prayed over that's totally different you know when the anointing's on something it's working but i'm talking about selling these things to people just because you wear it and they like the way you look and you say it's your shawl you get you pray in that Many people sell them and don't even have a good track record as far as answers to prayer are concerned. They just get on television and they sell them. Huh? That's what they do. And so if you're that type of person, you'll, you'll be looking at that and wanting to be included in that club. And that's what religion does. It has a lots of clubs to get signed people up in. So that the people who are insecure and wandering around and don't know God and don't have a history with God and don't have anything to connect them with God that's real. They get involved in the things of religion and it's hard to pull them out because that's what they like. That's what they see. That's what the option and the alternative is. You can either come into a place where you can have real relationship, hear the word, go to work for God and get the reward or you can have religion. And you can have a bunch of stuff that you've accumulated over the years that you bought from somebody's ministry huh? that's supposed to be from the Holy Land or, you know, I mean, they sell relics all the time. You understand what I'm saying? And so these things, folks, detract from true relationship. They're just things to focus your attention and your eyes on. To keep you distracted from spending your time in relationship. Spending your time in the word. Understanding what did God put you here for. Religion will never give you that answer. Religious people will tell you you have greatness inside of you. Or tell you to, to smile and keep a good happy face on. God loves you. But they'll never tell you how to get yourself out of the trouble that you're in or get yourself out of the depression that you're in or get yourself out of this insecurity that you're in because they will never lead you to relationship in God. They'll just take you from one outward show to the next outward show to the next outward show. Oh, we're having Bishop so-and-so coming in and You know, put your money aside because you know him. He's doing this and doing that. And it's the same old, same old that he just did. But it's just one of his buddies coming to do it live this time. So you put all your money over into that. You still go home to a a messed up household where you're the only one halfway saved. And you're just barely hanging on yourself. Huh? Nobody can tell you how to pray. They'll tell you God's going to bless you, and then people that talked about you, they're going to be mad when they see the blessing God gives you. Like that's putting food on your table. You understand me? But they will, they, the Bible says that the Pharisees don't enter the kingdom themselves. They don't know how to reach God. They don't know how to touch God. And they block the door from you getting in there. 
with their rituals and their nonsense and stuff to keep you occupied instead of allowing you the freedom to get the real thing. The most merciful thing a religious person can do for you is kick you out of the church. Huh? So then you can get free and you can go and find God for yourself. See? Many times people have stumbled into somebody's meeting and found God and go and try to fit back in religion. Huh? And get kicked out. That's the most merciful thing that can happen to you. Huh? In Matthew 15 again, verse 9. Now I want you girls to settle back down back there because I don't want, you're kind of distracting me a little bit. You know who you are. So quiet your little spirits so I can finish this. It's hard enough preaching about religious craziness, you know, without fidgeting. <laughs> Everybody fidgets a little bit in these kind of sermons, you know what I'm saying? Because they're not comfortable. In verse 7, he says, You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How far? Very far. Like not even in the same neighborhood. I can remember years going to church where all you worried about was what you were going to wear. Huh? And if you felt like you weren't going to wear something that was going to get looks of approval from other people, huh? then you were very uncomfortable because you, you were worried what other people thought about you. See, the presence of God was so diminished and so small in an atmosphere like that, that all there was was flesh and carnality. What are you looking like? What are you, why are you doing that? Same thing that the Pharisees said about Jesus' disciples. Why don't they wash their hands before they eat? Huh? And so they practice man's tradition trying to make it as important as God's word. So that's all you ever get there. I can remember talking to people and they would say, well, uh, that's a hat church. Or that's a suit church. Or that's a skirt and blouse church. They never had a jeans church. Because you didn't wear them to church. You understand? It was only when non-denominational churches came about that the hippies could go in there and they could wear whatever they wanted to. And they weren't afraid that people would turn them away at the door because they were coming for the right thing. They were coming for God. You understand me? When you're coming for God, you come the way you are. God will help you to get where he wants you to be. Because I don't believe you need to stay in jeans the whole time you're in church or cutoffs or patches out or thigh out and string looking stuff and all that kind of stuff. I don't think you should stay like that. But that's just me. You understand what I'm saying? Let's not make a religion out of it. Let's just understand that there's a dignity that God brings into your life where you don't need all of that outer stuff. huh? You can have an inner dignity that flows on the outside. And that's what God's interested in. As long as your inner dignity is maintained, you can wear anything you want to on the outside. But if the two of them don't match up together, now it's not going to look right. Verse 10, he called the multitude. See? He called the multitude. He had more people interested in truth than religion. 
they're always, I don't care how it looks on the outside, there's always more people interested in truth than there are interested in religion. They just don't come out. (laughs) The people that are coming out are the religious. The ones who are interested in truth, they just stay home until they find something worth going for. You understand me? Huh? It's the truth. And so as long as is there's just religion there, huh? Jesus called the multitude. He began to teach them. Jesus would teach anybody who would listen. And he said to them, hear and understand. Here's the Pharisees with their audience trying to challenge people to believe them over Jesus. And so Jesus tells them the truth. He said, hear and understand. Not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of his mouth, this defiles a man. In other words, he says this. Then came his disciples and said to him, don't you know the Pharisees were offended after they heard what you said? Don't you know? Aren't you scared of them like we are? Don't you know they got power over there in the temple? Don't you know you can't get to God unless you please these people? And you didn't tick them off, Jesus. You didn't done it again. Jesus tells them this. It's not what you eat at all. Oh, my goodness. You mean I got to quit my herb garden and my juicing and all my organic produce I done bought? That you never eat anyway. It goes bad just like the other non-organic, non-sale produce you bought. That lettuce you got and you was just going to eat salads all day long. Remember that? It goes the same direction as the organic stuff. It goes stale just as fast, if not faster. Juicer is sitting up there brand new, barely out of the box. You quit the juicing. You were just going to do that. Huh? And I'm not criticizing you for that. I'm just pointing out to you that you know the difference. You know what's true. You know that stuff don't make no difference. You know it makes no difference at all if you eat organic, not organic, grain-fed, free-range, not free-range. What do you care if that chicken ran around the yard or if they kept it in a pen until they whacked its head off? It still got killed to be sit up there on your dinner table. Humane treatment of animals, and then we kill them so we can eat them. Makes no difference, folks. You can eat anything you want to. Pharisees made a religion out of that kind of stuff because they watched everything that they felt they could control. Anything that's under normal human control, religion gets a hold of it and makes a doctrine out of it. See, there are a lot of people who have no problem pushing back from the dinner table because they control everything. You understand? They do everything by willpower. You can do a lot of things by willpower that the person who loves God just Oh, I forgot I ate today. I'm eating again. You understand what I'm saying? You, you know, that kind of stuff. It gets away from you. And don't tell me it's not a common problem because it happens to church people. 
See, once you get beyond being concerned about the outer, then you've got to figure out another reason for being conscientious about your eating. Because most people do it to control how they look. We're very diligent. And see, once it's in your heart, it's just like, you know, if I, if I decide I'm going to say, oh, gosh, there I am on the video again. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Oh, I got to quit that. You understand what I'm saying? And, and I quit it for a minute and don't. I forget that's so important to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you have relationship with God, you forget all these outer things are so important to you. Now you've got to find a valid Bible reason for being concerned about what you eat. You got me? And I'm going to tell you, it's hard to find them. You're going to have to leave that to God. Just say, you know what, God? When me and you really get sick of me and and what I'm doing here, come on, help me now. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Weight control for most Christians, that's not on the top of their prayer list. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I'm not judging it at all. But all I'm saying is that if that Bible right there says that Jesus rebuked them for being concerned about what goes in and he said it's not important, that same truth comes to you every time you try to make it too much bigger than what it's supposed to be. Do you understand me? I think people need to eat healthy and nutritious. I'm appalled at some of the the uh, ways that young people are fed. McDonald's from day one. Because their parents were fed McDonald's from day one. And you can't really put a lot of fried food and all that fat and stuff in your body without having some kind of ill effect from it. The kid's still hungry after they've had a happy meal. They ain't happy after about an hour or so. So you know you should have cooked and fed them some vegetables, something that, you know, will fill up that gap that doesn't have a lot of calories in it. That's just kind of common sense. But it's lost on this generation. Why? Because we've taken the easy route instead of the smart route and instead of the spiritual route. You've got to do everything to God's glory. You've got to ask God how to feed nutritious meals to your family and you've got to put in the work it takes it's not hard you understand what it's not hard when i was working i didn't cook every day i still don't cook every day i have the habit of cooking enough food and i found out you know my husband used to you know when they first marry you they give you this i don't do this i don't do that i don't do if you're a wise woman you make mental note of all the I won't do's, and you make them do it. Now look, everybody's so scared of, what you mean make them do what I said? You make them do it. You're in charge of the nutrition in your home. If he feels froggy, let him hop and get up there in that kitchen and start cooking every day. Let him do it. Huh? He said, I don't eat leftovers. I got him to the point he was so glad. He said, what's that? I said, leftovers. He said, show smell good. I can't wait for dinner. He ate them. Nothing mysterious about, you know, people are all, (laughs) nothing mysterious about a husband. Huh? Nothing mysterious about them. Am I telling the truth, brother? (laughs) Nothing mysterious about you brothers, is it? Huh? 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they'll, do, they'll do whatever is before them to do. You give them too many options, they have you turning somersaults, they have you. And still go look at somebody else. Because that's all you jumping through hoops for. You scared they're going to do it. Huh? I got another news for you. Let them do it. Huh? And see what God does to them. See, this stuff, you know, all this defilement. You know, can't eat this. Oh, that's no good for you. Or, you know, you have a a barbecue and you're in a slave, you know, trying to cook that stuff and your hair smell like smoke and your eyes watering and you put it out there before people. Oh, I don't eat pork. I said, oh, I'm real sorry, but I do. I'm going to have some. I said, in fact, give me yours too. Huh? I'm sorry you're going to have to eat nothing but the sides, but we didn't plan for anybody who didn't eat pork here. Huh? Don't be ashamed of your food. Don't be ashamed. Don't let people shame you into doing something that everybody else does just because they put a judgment. See, we're free from being judged in what we eat. It's right there in the Bible. You're free of that judgment. People chasing the wrong, you know, they're running after the wrong dog. Really, people who get in these food fetishes, you know, especially if, if they're overweight, they're in denial. See, they think they, it's certain foods. No, you eat too much. Just like me, if you fat, you eat too much. It ain't certain foods. You can eat enough grass and get fat. Look at the cows. Huh? Now don't 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 mess your head up more than what is messed up already, huh? Well, I'm eating the wrong foods. You know they'll take they'll take something that 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 could work for them. You know I mean, well I'm I'm juicing now. You know talk about a colon blow, huh? Man, you get all that pulp in one glass, and then it's not bad enough they got the fruit. Then they want to stick some grass in there and make it green so it really looked like you trying to do something to make yourself different from everybody. Huh? You don't even want to put it up to your nose. How are you going to swallow something and, and can't even smell it and say you enjoy it and it's good for you? I just as soon as give you a, a piece of cheesecake, because that's what you want anyway. You know, buy you one piece of cheesecake every other month and nibble off that one piece a little bit. I used to, I used to live like that. I didn't sit there and gorge everything. I got freed on us. You know what I'm saying? It just didn't mean nothing to me. You know, the appearance issue of it. But now the health aspect of it is important to me. And I realize that I'll sit up and nibble some things and I need to stop it. Huh? Not get some grass and put in a glass and, and call myself a health nut. You know, you ain't no health nut. Because the minute I wave the right barbecue bone in front of you, that health nut stuff is gone. You understand me? 
And so we have to realize that we can't judge one another. We can't judge anybody about what they eat. Even overeating, you can't judge people. You know, we need to stop making people feel bad because they're overweight. You know, you know, I mean, come on now. This is the seven deadly sins. You can't find that in the Bible. God says all unrighteousness is sin. There's no deadly or not. There are some things are abominations. And I don't want to get on his abomination list. Do you understand? But overeating is not an abomination to God. It's something that he can control. Do you know he can use you and you can preach and you can minister to people and you can help people even when you're overweight? Huh? I can't say that about being a lesbian or homosexual. You understand what I'm saying? But I do know the anointing flows through fat people and we can help people. That was the same accusation they levied against Jesus. They called him a glutton and a wine drinker. Huh? God won't, unless you get drunk and you start taking on spirits that harm people, you understand? Well, you, it can lead to sin. You got me? We have to grow up and understand what God has given us in our freedom in Christ, in our liberty in Christ. And don't turn it in for a bunch of religion and a bunch of show. But Jesus, when the, the, his disciples got scared of the Pharisees and tried to put that fear on him. He says, don't you understand anything? He said, what happens to you when you eat and go to the bathroom? Didn't what you ate come out? I can show you. If you don't believe it, I'm going to show you. Let me go in the bathroom with you. That's pretty much what he told them. You know, for his disciples, you had to really break it down sometimes. And he said, that same stuff you eating right now, you call it food and delicious. 72 hours is going to be a turd. See, and if you, thought the, if you thought the Pharisees were upset when he said it the first time, the second time he said it, they were long gone. Oh, my goodness, he's saying turd in, in, in preaching, you know. He said, don't be stupid. But he said, let them alone. If you're going to stay sane and you're going to stay with God, let religion alone. Let religious ideas alone. Let religious people alone. Let these religious fads, you know, the, the next great person with the next revelation, let that stuff go. You understand me? They don't have anything new that you don't already have, have gotten from God or just need to get it stronger in you or somebody. It's not a new revelation. By It's not going to revolutionize your life. It's not going to make you blow up in your ministry. It's not going to make you uh, uh, the top person anywhere. It's just something that, that they have found. And let them feed the people that God has ordained them to feed. But God, Jesus told them, he said, can you please let them alone? Huh? He said, because they are blind leaders of the blind, in verse 14. And if the blind lead the blind, they will both fall into a ditch. In other words, if you're a sighted person and you make a mistake, you stumble. But the Bible says you're never utterly cast down. Because you got revelation. You're seeking revelation. You have a way up, and that's in God. But if you're a blind person and you're being led by a blind person, 
You both fall into a ditch and there's no man to get you out of there. Religion begets more religion, begets more religious people, and they lead each other right back into the pit where they cannot get out. All they can do is seek more religion and more religion and get more and more people down there in the pit with them. And so God wants us, folks, to be led by light and led by revelation, not fall into a ditch. That's why he tells us to leave religion alone. Leave the religious thinking alone. Leave the judgment alone. Judging by appearances, judging by what people wear, judging by what they look like and what they do and whether they have a good job or whether they don't. Leave that nonsense alone. And let God have his way. And stay with the light and the revelation because if you're full of light and revelation, that light will beam and somehow you'll find your way out of there. If you fall or you stumble, you'll find your way out of there. But if you follow religion, all you can do is stay in that ditch and hope somebody comes and drags you out one day. You know, because it's hard to find, fall, you'll find your way out of a religious pit. But God wants us to stay free from that free of the religious darkness that would cause us to to come against and and crucify true servants of god you know the ones who are helping and trying to get where god wants them to go and the ones that have a good heart and want to change people from the inside so you find somebody who cares about your insides that's valuable anybody can tell you to paint up and fix up and keep moving but people who understand the inner workings of God in a person's life, you know. When I tell y'all to get to church on time, I do it not for religious reasons. And I want to get this out of the way because I've mentioned it to people several times that they are not honoring God by coming in late to his house. That's not religious, folks. And I'm not picking on you. But I see you're slipping in small things a little bit at a time. Slip, 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 slip. And pretty soon it's easy to quit doing anything for God. You begin to take on an attitude of excuse making and negativity about the things of God. Don't let what God's given you slip. Don't let it just be yanked away from you because of a pride thing where you don't want to be corrected. Or you don't, I I could come to church on time, but ain't nobody there because you ain't there. Somebody opened the door. This ain't a party like it was back in the, the, when you was kicking it with your friends where you fell in there looking good and everybody was there already. This ain't that. This is the house of God. It's a house of worship that he's provided for you to honor him. Seats would fill up if some of you have had visitors come here. And there's only two or three people here when the, the service starts. And that should not be. That should not be. People should be able to come in and see that there's a live service going on here. That the pastor's in the study or wherever getting here, that's none of your business. Some of you think because Pastor Shirley comes in not at 1130, you can come in anytime you want to. Huh? You do. That becomes your excuse for dishonoring him. I know you are, Pastor Shirley. I know. There are some times when I don't get, when we first started, we didn't have an office to be in. 
You understand, we couldn't prepare in an office to give a decent message, so we had to prepare at home and come right in to give the message so that you didn't have to sit there and a bunch of people ask you a bunch of questions before you had to deliver the word of God. And so when you start having uh, uh, an atmosphere where you can come and where you can worship and all of that, you can't have people straggling in because they create a, uh, um, a system that's hard to break into for people who are coming to church and want to hear them. And those people aren't wrong for wanting to have a service start on time. They're not wrong. Because if a service starts on time, it can end on time. And then everybody can get free and go about their business. But this attitude about it is a lax attitude, and it's not right. It's not good for you and where you want to go in your life. It's not good for you because you need to be healed. And you need to honor God because you need to be healed. You need to to fix your house up and you need extra money for that. You need to honor God because you, you understand you always have a need. That honoring God will help that need to get done. You understand me? So let's not get silly here. You got home yesterday. I made sure that I was not going to be to blame for people dragging in here after 12 o'clock on Sunday anymore. Huh? I got you home yesterday at a good time. You had time to get 12 hours of sleep last night and get here at 1130. Huh? When there's nobody here but Miss Nolan, Lil Howard, huh? And Tanya and Crystal, honey, the faithful four. There's nobody here but them. Huh? You got here, you got home in enough time to get up and do that. Learn how to humble yourself and correct yourself. God, I've been doing this a long time now, (laughs) you know. It needs to be corrected. I don't care how long a bad habit is held, held on to you. If it needs to be corrected, it needs to be corrected. Your young people need to have a chance to learn the right way to honor God. They need to have that. Don't cheat them out of that by being lax yourself. Learn how to honor God in everything. Everything. I used to have this habit of, I'm just, I don't care if y'all get this on tape or not, but I need to share. I I used to have the habit of, if I went out to dinner, and I just made sure I blessed the food, I'd make a big deal out of it, and so forth and so on. You know, God understands, you know, you make a big show, everybody's not saved, everybody don't pray over their food. Until one day. I was in a restaurant, and there were some people sitting at a table not too far from me. And the lady and a gentleman were there, and they were excited. They were out to dinner with some people, and they said, they said, oh, we better bless the food, and they joined hands. And the power of God hit that. I mean, it just <laughs> over that table, over everybody in the restaurant over me and I'm thinking see it was for me to get convicted huh I mean it can happen to you so quickly you can start thinking that you're being wise or thinking you have a reason for backing off 
from that day on, I took my time. I didn't try to make a big show of it on purpose, but I got the message. See, I got the message where God said, don't you ever be ashamed of me. It's gone from being wise and not wanting to be showy to now you got a shame thing on you about blessing your food in public. And see, I know the importance. You need to pray over it harder in a restaurant than you do in your own house. You don't know who was breathing over that food or where it was or they might have taken, threw something in the garbage can that looked pretty good and they were ran out of it and here's another order for it. It's the truth, ain't it, Nikki? You see what I'm saying? So you got to be even more diligent about these things now. When you were a young Christian, you were zealous about everything and everything was important. You did it with all of your might. Now that you're an older Christian, you got more in you to protect. You need to be more zealous about doing the things. There's more you, there's more that can be lost to the earth because of the position that you have in God now. So I know I'm talking to myself too. We all need to be more diligent. It's still hard for me to remind myself I got to pray in tongues every day. You know what I'm saying? We need to, folks, buck up to it. But you know what I can say? At least coming to church on time, I've crossed that off the list. Be able to say that. Amen? I'm done. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding of your word. Thank you, Lord, for diligent people. Wise people who refuse to let the good things slip. They refuse to let the good things slip. They refuse to do it. When the Lord spoke something to me yesterday, I wasn't sure. Is the tape still running, honey? I wasn't sure what he, he wanted to do with it. But the word elite kept coming to me yesterday. The the Lord was speaking to me about developing an elite group of people. What he called it was an elite squadron of warriors who thought they were moving into retirement but got called back in. As the Marine Corps says, the few, the proud. God is saying the few, the humble, the few, the humble, the few, the humble. He's coming for the few, the humble, who will put themselves under his authority, even in harm's way, and not feel that they have the energy to do it. Don't feel they have the interest to do it, but they will say yes anyway, says the Spirit of God. They will say yes anyway. It's an elite squadron of warriors an elite squadron of people of prayer and the lord's saying this that soldiers will get together even retired soldiers and talk about the battle days talk about the old wars and talk about their old buddies in the squadron and so forth and so on the lord said that's the beginning of stirring up of the elite squadron of warriors that I am calling back into service in this hour, says the Spirit of God. And the Lord's saying this, he's saying you're going to see people you haven't seen in quite a while come into service. One way or the other, they will come into service in me. 
because they feel this stirring on the inside of them to get back to what they know is the right thing to do in all situations. And the Lord's saying this, you will not be a lone voice anymore. You will not be a rare voice anymore. But you will be a voice that is a common voice that comes in symphony with other voices that will begin to say the same thing from my spirit, says the Lord. They will begin to say the same thing. And the Lord is saying, get out the old battle gear. Get out the old weapons. Get out the old things. Old things. He said the things that uh, the kingdom is like this. A man has a treasure and he has a treasure chest in his house and he brings out things old and new. And the Lord is saying, I will give you new things to go with the old things to put together a battle array for me that the enemy will not be able to stand against, says the Spirit of God. The enemy will not be able to stand against this, says the Lord, because I've ordained this time. I've ordained you for this time. Some of you feel that you're not growing, you're not moving, you're not doing much of anything. But the Lord says, get ready, because I am stirring within you the desire to have the zeal again. The desire to do the old battle things again, says the Lord. And just like I did with you in the the days of old, I will give you the energy. I will give you the finances. I will give you the strength. I'll empower you to do everything that I've called you to do. I take care of my own, says the Lord. You don't have to worry about anything. All you have to do is say yes. Get out the old army gear. Pull out the old uniform. I know it's tight, says the Lord, but I'll get you into it. I'll get you into it. Because I am reserving an elite force of warrior for this time, says the Spirit of God. And the gates of hell will not prevail against my true church. I have said it and I mean it. They will not prevail against my church, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen.